A big thank you to our sponsor this week, Utah Homicide Survivors. Last week, we had the attorney and executive director on the podcast of Utah Homicide Survivors. This is a nonprofit that provides free legal and social services for families of homicide victims statewide. Families of homicide survivors need help in a lot of areas, but what's their number one request? It's legal services. You can help these families by donating to their cause via Facebook or on their website, utahomicidesurvivors.org. to ICU, a podcast where we advocate that compassion and connection save lives. They also make life pretty cool. I'm your host, Julie Lee. I see you. Welcome to the podcast. This is episode 72, The Plastic Bag Principle with Michelle McCullough. Merry Christmas! This is our 2019 finale episode. I always take a two-week break at Christmas to focus on my family and Jesus Christ and just ground myself in what's most important. Before I go over to the interview, I wanted to share just a quick thought with you, and that is that if this is a sad time of year for you, it's okay. If you're hurting this Christmas, you don't feel merry and you don't feel jolly like all the songs say you should, it's okay. My own heart feels a little broken this Christmas, too, as my sister's cancer continues to progress. It's hard to watch. Everything just feels really sacred right now, and I'm reminded again and again to live in the moment, to focus on the present, and to just be. In fact, I have those letters above my bathtub. B-E-B. I don't need to be anything but me during this Christmas season, a mom who loves her family and is excited to just sit and snuggle and eat yummy food. But I've also done a fair amount of sobbing and I've had a hard time feeling motivated to really do anything but crawl back under the covers. I hope you'll give yourself permission to engage in the gift of the Savior and to feel his love this season and that you feel peace. Peace, in my mind, is such a greater and more powerful emotion than pure bliss. He is the Prince of Peace. And I hope that you feel that peace this Christmas. Merry Christmas. Today, I talked to Michelle McCullough, who has quite the resume. I had met Michelle briefly in the past, and I've listened to her speak and was super impressed. And then I saw this video that she released on the internet, and it depicted some of her early memories from her life that she used to explain something called the plastic bag principle. And I'm not going to spoil it for you. Here's Michelle. Hey, Michelle McCullough, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, I love your sweater too. I forgot to mention that. <laughs> the Griswold family Christmas sweater from Christmas Vacation. It's awesome. Okay. Will you just start off by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. My background is in marketing and advertising, and I own a boutique di- digital marketing agency, but um, I primarily speak and travel. So I speak on marketing and Um, also social media, but then I have another side of my business where I speak on leadership, culture, and personal development. And so I kind of tell people that I help companies tell their two most profitable stories, the stories that they tell their prospects to get them to purchase and the stories that they tell their internal audience, their employees to get them to perform. And so whether it's motivation or marketing, those two kind of play hand in hand because it's all about telling stories to get people to understand what you want and to create a culture either personally or as an organization. 
Interesting. And you're married and you have two kids? Yes. Is that right? Mm-hmm. 10 and 12? 10 and 12. Yeah. Did I ask, is it boy and girl? Or Yes. My son is older and my daughter is the younger one. Cool. Yeah. Like us, that's how our family's situated too. Do you have any hobbies? Let's see. I, love- I mean, I know you keep yourself pretty busy <laughs> with other things. Maybe that's become a hobby, but... Well, I certainly feel like my businesses are hobbies and I love them. So that helps. Um, I do like to read, but I'm a brain candy reader. So I like simple, easy novels, not like deep hard stuff or whatever, but, um, I also love movies, which is not really a hobby, but I do love going to the movies and just sitting and eating popcorn. So other than that, I am also, um, truth be told, I don't know why I'm telling you this right now. Um, an avid scrapbooker. Are you? I still am a paper scrapbooker. Not online. I mean, I do like chat books and stuff like that, but I still once a year go for a weekend away and scrap like a hundred pages and get our whole year done. Wow. So you do a yearly hand scrap. Yes. Wow. Uh huh. Good for you. Yeah. That's awesome. I love it. Well, they're so much cuter. Let's be honest. Well, and I just feel like it's so fun for me to sit there. We have a group of friends and we still do it. I'm the youngest one. They're older women who I used to watch their kids while they went for scrapbook weekend. And then one day they invited me and now I'm middle-aged just (laughs) like them. And it's great. Um, But I just, I love it. I feel like it gets some of my creative juices out and memories are my favorite thing. So my hobbies are memories. Ah, that's awesome. That's that's like Frozen too. Yeah. Water has memories. Yeah, exactly. We were just talking about that. seeing movies mm-hmm. full circle I'm a little bit familiar with you through some different contacts but one thing I was really touched by was a video I saw of you the plastic bag principle there's an actress in there well there's several actors and actresses but they they portray part of your story mm-hmm. will you start by telling me about that story that of the plastic bag principle sure um, the story is that when I was seven years old I was playing in my room one night and it was past my bedtime, but my mom didn't come and put me to bed. When she came in, she handed me a plastic bag and she said, pack whatever you can. I don't know when we're coming back. And that was the beginning of my parents' divorce. And I look back on that experience as just what I call the plastic bag principle is so often we don't get to choose all the things that happen to us. And sometimes our baggage comes from decisions that we make, but often it's just things that are handed to us on life's journey. And so um, I think the great equalizer is that we all have challenges, but then how are we carrying it? And are we allowing our baggage to hold us back from the things that we know are the most important? Or are we allowing our baggage to make us stronger so that we can be the kind of people that we want to be? So that's one of the major platforms and stories that I tell almost every time I speak, just because I feel like each of us have an opportunity to look and evaluate the baggage in our past and anything that may come and try to see it in a different way. Cool. How do you use that analogy? I'm curious as far as, do we let go of the baggage? Do we readjust where it sits on our body? This is partly selfish. I'm thinking about my own life. (laughs) Well, we all have it, right? Yeah. And I think that part of it is the journey, but the two biggest principles that I think come from the plastic bag principle are, the first is that um, we can't allow the labels to keep us from who we're supposed to be. And so too often we're like, I'm divorced or I was abused or I have significant health challenges or any of those things, any one of them really are big. And so I will never, ever minimize anyone's challenge or say that your challenge is not bigger than somebody else's. It's not a competition. It is just a reality that we each have something. And so part of it, but I see so many people um, either professionally as I'm going to organizations, like I can't go for that job because of X or I can't do this because of why. And they're letting their baggage hold 
hold them back from who they're meant to be. But I, the reality is, is I don't think that's a, a good framework to put in your mind that says, if this challenge has happened, I can't do X. And so what I want is I want for people to know that their baggage really is there to help make them stronger. And the other, I hope, is just a perspective that allows us to remember that even though we may be on our own challenges, that other people have them as well. And so as you're on your path, looking around you and saying, you know, who else has challenges too? And how can I help them? And how can I lift their burdens? And how can I get outside of my own mess to say, hey, listen, maybe this challenge was to help give me empathy or to teach me how to love or be patient or to help me understand that in any business setting or in any personal setting, everyone's coming to the table carrying their baggage. And how can we be a little bit more kind, understanding and human to each other? Well, and I love that principle because it's incredible. It talks of strength, but also this podcast is, it's called I See You and it's all about compassion and connection save lives. And it still has that compassion. Absolutely. Because you can never, I've learned this in therapy time and time again, compassion doesn't have any hard edges. You can never have too much compassion. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a lot of other things you can have too much. Sure. But compassion is to me. It's, it's having the best interest of someone else and honoring their pain. And you can do that and still, you can honor your own pain and still not let it, I mean, they say define you, but it changes you and that's okay. And I think that's fine. What I don't want it to do is hold you back and allow whatever challenges that you have keep you from whatever it is that you want to do. And I think too often we allow our baggage to change our worth but our worth never changes. We are always fantastic and wonderful. But if we perceive that our baggage makes, or even our mistakes or our challenges to make us less than or wrong, then I think that that puts us into a negative place that keeps us from our true potential. Absolutely. What role has compassion and connection played in helping you become just the well-accomplished woman that you are? You run businesses, you speak, you're always going. How has compassion and connection helped you get there? Well, I think that well, I remember one day thinking to myself, it would just be easier if I could do it myself. Right. And getting stuck into, um, a paralyzing thought of, I don't need anybody else. Um, but then I remember having this really vivid thought in my mind and it's, it wasn't like a vision or anything, but just this vivid, vivid thought that came to my mind that was, that was, if we were intended to all be by ourselves, we would have been sent to desert islands with a library and said, learn whatever you want. And then when you die, that's all you have. But the truth is, is that we were sent to heavily populated areas. And if we can wrap our brains around how interconnected we all really are, then I think that makes us a lot more mindful of opening our eyes and seeing other people. And, um, I remember also thinking, Oh, that's the case. Then is it possible for me to be connected to anybody? And I found that there are five questions that in any circumstance, like if you're stuck at a party or somewhere where you don't know, and you're like, I don't know these people that you can find common ground within five questions. And so whether it's a business setting or a crazy, awkward social experiment, or you're stuck in a bus line, or you're at the gym and you run into someone. And sometimes it doesn't mean you have to ask everybody these questions. And it doesn't really even matter what the questions are because you can create your own. But just an acknowledgement that in any given moment, if we're supposed to cross paths with someone, that that is likely happening for a reason. And how can we, like your podcast, really see people? Because I think that's one of everyone, something that everybody craves. They want to be seen. They want to be understood. And whether you can um, stop and help the homeless man 
um, with whatever you think that means. Even just looking them in the eyes is extending compassion and understanding and saying, hey, maybe I crossed my path with them just so I could see them and that they could feel seen. That's beautiful. And it's also doable. Yes. It's doable. It's not this over because sometimes there's a lot of heartache in the world and sometimes it can be overwhelming. Uh, but we can all look someone in the eyes. Mm-hmm. And especially now, it's pretty easy to feel disconnected. Sure. I've certainly experienced that. Uh, but it doesn't have to be that way. And yeah, I appreciate those thoughts. Before we go to the last question, I want to ask you, we talked just a little bit about God before we started. Everybody is welcome here. But I certainly believe in God and I talk about God because I don't know how else to to be authentic and honest and real without acknowledging that huge part of my life. How has God played a role in your success, would you say? Well, I jokingly, but then sincerely and lovingly say that God is my CEO. And so in my business, I feel like um, I will reach out to him to make sure that I'm doing the things that he wants me to do. And um, I feel like each of us have gifts and strengths and um, talents and abilities that we were given from our higher power. And part of the great mission on earth is to figure out what those are and how we can use them for good. And I think that the more I come to understand that there is a loving being who cares about my interests and who cares about what I care about and who wants me to be happy. And, um, the more I feel like I am not alone. And I think that even in a world that's heavily populated, you can even be in a family or in a marriage or in the circumstances and feel alone or that nobody understands you or that, um, you're misunderstood. But I feel like I feel the most connected to everybody else when I'm connected with God. And so if I'm ever feeling disconnected from other people, then I will start with my connection with God so that I can feel more centered, more understanding of who I am so that I can give that to other people. I like that because once you have you figured out who you are, Mm -hmm. then you're able to give that to other people. Yes. And I think too often we feel like, well, I have to just give, 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 give and not worry about myself. And I'm just going to put myself on the back burner. But I have found that the time that I spend um, learning, growing, studying, caring about the things that I care, care about, whether it's reading a book or going to the movies or um, just even focusing on my old, own goals and ideas, I am better able to give to other people because I'm not drawing from an empty well. And that makes it a lot easier for me to show up to serve and in connection as well. Well, yeah. I mean, I can even just look at the comparison of my last two mornings. Yesterday, I, I woke up at 4.30 and couldn't go to sleep. But the good news is, is I got up, I did some yoga, I had Rob came downstairs at six, you know, I had the rain music going, my yoga mat out, a candle out. And he's like, whoa, this is Zen city. I'm like, yes, Mm -hmm. it is. It's good. Reading my scriptures. Uh, And then this morning, waking up the same time as the kids and and it's okay. I can have compassion for myself, but there's a big difference in how I tackle the day when I have myself taken care of and the way I care for my children and care for other people. And I wholeheartedly believe in that. One of the things that I teach when I travel and in my book is a, the power up and power down principle that how you start and end your day is the biggest differentiator in your success, whatever you define success to be, um, whether you're a stay at home mom or whether you are a business owner, that if you can start your day with you doing the things that you care about um, learning something, taking care of something, connecting with your source, um, then you are better able for whatever comes your way because you haven't um, run so fast that you've forgotten why you're doing it in the first place. And so I wholeheartedly believe in that. 
One other thing I want to ask you is you're also known as the happiest. H-A-P-P-Y-S-T? H-A-P-P-Y-I-S-T. I-S-T. Okay. Will you explain just for a second what that is? Yes. To listeners? So um, we've all heard of the pessimist who looks on the bad side and the realist who is walking around seeing things as they really are. And then the optimist who looks on the bright side. And I was raised by an eternal optimist. So despite my mom's own challenges, divorce, raising a kid, raising four kids by herself and one with special needs, she was just a happy person. And she wore happiness symbols around her neck. And we had happy quotes all over our house. And whenever there was a challenge, she would encourage us to look on the bright side. And she really was great. But then I became an adult and I was trying to be optimistic about any the real adult challenges that were coming my way. And I was like, this is not working. I am sad. I am frustrated. And I am having a hard time optimistically seeing the things that are happening. And so I figured out as an adult that there's one level beyond being the optimist, and that's the happiest. And the happiest doesn't just look on the bright side. They are the bright side and they live there and they put everything into perspective and the challenges that come their way um, are put into a place where they understand that they're there for them and to challenge them, to try them, to strengthen them, but that they also are trying to figure out how to help other people. And my mom really was the happiest, you know, and despite her own challenges, she never let those challenges hold her back from giving all of herself and from finding other ways to make other people happy. And I think sometimes we get so caught up in our own challenges that we forget that we do have an incredible influence on other people. And so to me, being the happiest is all about taking the plastic bag principle, putting them together and realizing that we have such a great power for influence by being happy for other people. And that's what being the happiest is to me. Awesome. I want to end the interview with if there's someone listening that is struggling, that's having a hard time being that bright side, uh, what would be your message to them? Well, while I truly believe that we can all find joy, even in the midst of our challenges, I think that every human emotion is a gift. And I think it's okay to say, this is hard. And it's okay to say, I feel sad. And it's okay to say, I feel disappointed. Or I think um, one of the greatest gifts we have as humans is to feel all the feelings and to know what it's like to feel less than or not important or whatever, so that when we do feel better, that we can see the difference in that. And so I think that um, none of this is designed to say it's not okay to feel whatever you're feeling. I think all of that is permission to feel all of that and that we become better people for being able to feel even the hard things. Um, the truth is not to live there, right? So, and wherever you are, whatever you do, if even if you feel like you are completely encompassed by all of your challenges, finding something every day that makes you happy and looking for something that helps you feel relief and choosing to say, this is my challenge, but it can exist here and I can still be happy anyway. And there are some people who have challenges with that chemically and, and mentally and need professional help in order for that to work. And there is no judgment in that. I've had great therapists in my life and I've had great support in my life when it's necessary. And so none of that should ever be anything that makes you feel any sense of shame, but to know that every feeling is you're entitled to each one of them and also to choose and find something better if you feel ready for that. That's very compassionate. What are some things that make you happy as the happiest? 
Um, I'm a, I'm a music fan. So whenever I feel something that I don't want to feel, I have a happy playlist and I have, but I also have like a wallowing and self-pity playlist too. Sometimes when I choose to do that, but you choose it, it's intentional. I choose it and it's intentional for a little bit. And I'm like, okay, you've got three songs. You can sit here (laughs) for three songs and you can cry all the things. I love a good cry. I love reading. Nature is big for me. Um, I'm not like an avid outside like hike everyday person, but I can go sit on a rock or go for a walk and really feel I'm connecting with God in a bigger way so that I can listen. But I think for me, one of my favorite things is just stillness, which is really funny because I'm not a still person. I'm active and I'm go, go, go all the time. But I have found out that one of the things that makes me the happiest is peace. And sometimes I cover up all of my challenges with busyness instead of giving me a pass to say for right now, I'm not going to do anything. And in those moments, that's when things are quiet and I turn off the radio and my phone is away. And that's when I can feel inspiration and um, get ideas and see a way through. But sometimes when I'm so busy, I can't see that. So I love just sitting sometimes. Oh, you're speaking my language. Yeah, I'm a go, go, go doer. And growing up, I was always so outgoing and so happy and I still feel like I am. But I learned, I learned through my own experiences that I, what I want more than anything is peace and stillness and joy. That's hence the yoga mat and the candle mm-hmm. and the rain and all of that. Yes, I honor peace for sure. Thank you for being on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. If people want to find out more about you and stuff, you have a book, you speak, you do so many mm-hmm. things. Where can they go? Um, my website, speakmichelle.com is there. We have lots of videos and articles on lots of these subjects. So that's available. And then I have a couple of books. The Make It Happen Blueprint is one of my favorites. And I just released a book called The Happiest on 30 Tips to Live Your Happiest Life. Awesome. I'm going to read them. I'm going to read it. You sold me. You sold me. (laughs) I loved having Michelle in my home. I love that she commented on how delicious my little Lydia is. And I love that she asked to take a picture of my sign on the wall that reads, in the morning when I rise, give me Jesus because Michelle needs Jesus too. We all do. Thank you again to our sponsor this week, Utah Homicide Survivors. Navigating the court system is confusing and scary, and it adds grief to this equation, and it becomes too much to bear for most families. Utah Homicide Survivors focuses using the law to help families heal. They are raising money to help cover court costs for families, court fees, and other costs. On average, Utah Homicide Survivors receives over 20 cases a year, and you can help these families by donating to their cause on their Facebook or on their website, utahhomicidesurvivors.org, and that will all be linked in the show notes. All right, podcast listeners, enjoy your time with your family and engage in that peace of Christ. And I will see you all in 2020. The podcast will resume Friday, January 10th. I can't wait. My name is Julie Lee, and I see you.